Full Fantasy Podcast. I'm Calvin, your host, back here with your co-host, Chris, the fantasy expert. And in today's show, guys, we have got an awesome episode for you today. We're going to do some off-season questions for fantasy football. Talk about the biggest 10 off-season questions and storylines for fantasy football players. Basically a way too early 2022 fantasy preview. And then at the end, we'll give some breakout value and bust picks as well. And guys, I teased it last week. We've got a really awesome guest on today's show. He's the host of the Fantasy Pros Football Podcast and the Fits on Fantasy Podcast. You can find him on Twitter at Fitz underscore FF. And I really enjoy all of his content. Pat Fitzmorris here is on the show. Pat, how are you doing today? It's really great to have you. And we're really excited to get started and talk to you today. Oh, thanks, Calvin. Uh, really honored to be joining you and Chris. Uh, cool <laughs> that you guys are getting a new fantasy football content creation at, uh, you know, such an early age. And uh, but hey, man, like I've got a 14 year old son and he is a shark in fantasy <laughs> football already. So I know it's never too early. hundred mm-hmm. percent. Yeah. So we're going to I guess let's just we can jump into it. But first, I want to give you a chance to, I guess, tell people where they can find you. Obviously, I kind of mentioned it at the top, but like you can let me people know where they can find you. And then as well, I guess if you want, you could just give like maybe a quick backstory is how you got into the fantasy industry. And then like, I mean, yeah, just how you got your start in the fantasy industry. Sure. Um, yeah. So people can find me at fantasy pros and uh, I do, you know, I'm a semi-regular on the fantasy pros podcast, the fantasy pros dynasty podcast. And I have my own podcast that fits on fantasy podcast. Uh, and people can find me on Twitter at fits underscore FF. And, uh, you know, I just started out like fantasy football was kind of, I'm, I'm like an old timer. So fantasy mm-hmm. football was like kind of a, a pen and paper game back when mm-hmm. I started out, we had to like get the box scores from the newspaper on Monday yeah. mornings to figure out who won. Um, you know, so I got into like in the 1990s and, um, you know, I was working in journalism and eventually like a job opened up for an editor at pro football weekly. Uh, you know, and I started doing that and that was mostly like just covering the NFL, but there was like a little fantasy component to it. So that was like my first taste of fantasy writing. And, uh, you know, like I'd be asked to be a guest on radio shows occasionally, which was pretty cool. And that was sort of, you know, the uh, dipping my toe into what would eventually become the podcast water. So, um, you know, I left fantasy, uh, I left pro football weekly but I left on good terms and they asked me if I wanted to keep freelancing for them. So I did that for like quite a while, like 10 years until, um, you know, they eventually uh, ceased to exist, mm. but you know, then other things opened up and it's just kind of been a long ride. So happy to still be able to do it. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Yeah. So that's, yeah, that's really cool. And yeah, it sounds like obviously you've been doing it for a while, obviously guys, um, Pat is one of the best in the business. I listen to your show, obviously fantasy pros always on my short list for podcasts to listen to is always very entertaining. So yeah, you do some great work over there for sure. And yeah, guys, make sure to go check that out, obviously. And then I'm sure a lot of you, yeah, make sure to check that out. I'm sure a lot of you have heard of obviously his shows and then the fits on fantasy podcast as well. So Chris, do you want to lead us into the, uh, off season questions? I guess we can get started with the first one. If you guys are ready. Yeah, sure. That's good with me. I mean, we're just going to go over the 10 big questions. It's a little bit early. I mean, for a lot of these offseason questions, but definitely something you want to start looking at, especially if we're, I mean, this is a lot of dynasty drafts are going on right now, or at least ones that go on earlier in the offseason. So uh, definitely things to look at. I mean, maybe not as impactful right now, but definitely down the road, these are going to become uh, big points that you're looking to in your drafts. So get into that. All right. So I guess the first one here, we've got three at quarterback, three at running back and four at wide receiver. And obviously, this is the big storyline of the offseason. 
And it's about Aaron Rodgers. And it's the question is pretty simple. It's will Aaron Rodgers stay in Green Bay or demand his way out? Like the Packers said last year, they would grant him the right to leave if he wanted it. Will he want his way out and force a trade? Uh, so yeah, Pat, I'm interested to hear your thoughts on this. What do you think? Do you, does Aaron Rodgers stay or does he leave Green Bay this offseason? Yeah, and I think, Calvin, we almost need to add a third option. Like, is there a possibility that he retires and calls True. it quits? Yeah. Like, with all the, with all the um, uh, like, COVID controversy he got into, like, he kind of wore the black hat. And I'm not sure if he enjoyed it. And uh, I, I wonder if, like, you know, now that it's going to be hard for him to shake the role of the villain. I mean, I saw a lot of people really happy about him getting knocked out of the playoffs. And, uh, you know... It's, I wouldn't say it's out of the realm of possibility. He calls it quits. Like he brought up that possibility. He, he mentioned retirement after for most of his career saying he wanted to play into his forties. Like this year was the first time I heard him talk about the possibility of getting out soon. So, um, but as a Packers fan, you know, a, a Wisconsin bred <laughs> Packers fan, like I'm obviously hoping he stays. Although on the other hand, like if we wanted to get out and get a, giant package of, of picks and young players from a team like the Broncos, who, I mean, I guess that's where they're the, there has been the most smoke as far as the Aaron Rodgers rumor. So if he goes anywhere, I think it's going to Denver, but I, I tend to think it's like 60, 40 that he sticks around. Like, I, mm -hmm. I think there's still just a com uh, familiarity with, you know, green Bay with Matt LaFleur's system with his teammates. Uh, mm -hmm. So slightly leaning towards him staying. Yeah, I mean, I mean, definitely. It's kind of a little bit similar to Tom Brady in a little bit. This is the first time that Aaron Rodgers has really opened up about his career. He said that he's thankful for the Packers organization and what they've done. And that's like similar to what we saw right before Brady went out and retired. Now, I mean, it's not sure that he's going to do something similar, but it's definitely something to watch just because, I mean, often, especially if they still have that competitive drive, there's not that much of a, like, they, they're not really looking back on their career. They're more looking forward. And right now it seems like Aaron Rodgers is looking back sort of and evaluating what he's done so that, that at least signals to me that he's contemplating uh retiring but yeah I totally wouldn't be surprised if he wants to come back for one more year this is still a team that can make a championship push they've got so many weapons on offense really honestly it would surprise me the most if he went to another team because especially a team like the Broncos I mean you could make the argument that they'd be up there but this season was really uh I don't know for them they didn't really look like a team that could contend with the Super Bowl now obviously Aaron Aaron Rodgers can change a lot of those things uh, because their biggest problem was at the quarterback position, but definitely uh, I'd be surprised if he wants to try and kind of start to rebuild in a new franchise. If he doesn't. And I mean, if well. you're going to go to the AFC, it seems like it's a much harder path. Now look at all the young mm -hmm. quarterbacks he's got to compete yep. against. And that Justin Herbert, Joe Burrow, like, yeah, does he really want to run through Mahomes and Josh Allen to try to get Mahomes, to Josh. Exactly. Yes. I mean, like it's a gauntlet in the AFC. It's going to be tough to win that conference in the next few years. And, and in the mm -hmm. NFC, I mean, Tom Brady, one of your chief rivals is retiring. It's a much, uh, much smoother path, I think. For sure. Yeah. yeah. And if you're looking for like that Super Bowl, obviously credibility, try to shake off that NFC championship block. That would be the best way to do it. But yeah, I mean, say he does go to the AFC though, like just for fantasy purposes, Aaron Rodgers has for the longest time been a top shelf fantasy quarterback. And then if he heads to, like you said, Denver is probably your most likely destination if he leaves. Like if he went to Denver with obviously they got Cortland Sutton, Jerry Judy over there, then Javante Williams at running back. Like those are some pretty solid weapons. What do you think his fantasy value would be looking like? Especially like, I mean, obviously he's coming off back-to-back -back MVPs. He's still playing at a very high level. Yeah. And now, you know, going to a familiar, a familiar coach with them hiring away the Packers offensive mm -hmm. coordinator. And um, 
nice that he would get all those weapons. Although I would imagine that the Packers, if there was some sort of trade package that the Packers would be getting back, like either Judy or Sutton, maybe sure. Albert. O. Um, but still, I mean, there's a lot left there, no matter what one of Judy or Sutton, uh, Tim Patrick, KJ Hamler, who's going to be back from injury, no offense. So, yeah, I mean, it like there's always been this uh, criticism from fans that Packers have not done enough for him as far as supporting weapons around Devonta Adams, and he uh-huh. would get that in Denver for sure. So um, I think the outlook would still be pretty bright. Like I, I think I've got him like as the eighth ranked quarterback early in my 2022 rankings. And like if he was traded to Denver tomorrow, I don't know that I'd move him. I think sure. I'd probably keep him right there. Yeah, he just doesn't have that rushing upside that a lot of guys do. So obviously he's never going to be like the QB one like he used to be. But sure, yeah, I think quarterback eight's a very reasonable ranking just considering all the possible like range of outcomes we could see with him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd put him somewhere around there too. I mean, obviously I'd like to see him in Green Bay just because I think that Devonta Adams, that connection that he has with Devonta Adams is really deadly. But uh, I mean, it'd be interesting to see how he meshes with a team like the Broncos. And obviously they have a lot of weapons around them. So uh, he could definitely make it work. For sure. Yeah. So there's a lot of like quarterback storylines this offseason and Aaron Rodgers, probably the biggest one. But now we're seeing reports, too, about Russell Wilson, that Russell Wilson would be open to being traded. Possibilities have been floated. I know I think it was Albert Breer who said maybe the Eagles somewhat. I mean, people have been saying the Washington Commanders also a possibility. Lots of places where Russell Wilson could go and lots of different options for his fantasy. Value. So, yeah, I guess what are your guys' thoughts on like what's kind of like the different scenarios we could see for Russell Wilson? I guess, Pat, we'll start with you. But like, what do you think? Are the different scenarios, and I guess also, what do you think? How likely do you think it is that he's shipped off from Seattle this offseason or sometime soon? Yeah, uh, boy, you guys are hitting on all the guys I have biases towards. Like, I'm a Wisconsin <laughs> guy, so I'm a big Russell Wilson fan. Um, like, I think there's a little more to it because there have been sort of rumblings about him not being especially happy in Seattle ever since uh, the story came out a couple years ago about sort of like a, a rift. Uh-huh. A rift between him and maybe some of his teammates, like some people thought the organization gave Russ kind of special treatment. And, you know, this past season, he sort of piped up about not being too happy about some things. I, I think it's like been this organizational habit Seattle has of not wanting to invest in their offensive line and just kind of cut corners and, and do whatever they can there. And I'm sure Russ probably isn't that thrilled about it. Yeah. Um, yeah. So the, the possibilities you mentioned, Washington. Um, I'm sorry, what was the other one you, uh, was it? I said the Eagles. Like that was one that was not like confirmed or rumor or anything, but I think something that Albert Breer had like put in an article that he was like guessing could it could be a possibility. Yeah, interesting. I mean, I know, I thought I saw something where they were talking about like being ready to go forward with Jalen Hurts as their quarterback. But it seemed like that was the first vote of confidence, really, like long term they've, mm-hmm. they've ever given him. Um, and there was a time earlier this season when I think like Russ or his agent drew up a short list of possible teams he would accept a trade to. And there were a couple that were non-starters, like the Bears, who already have their quarterback in the future. But one of them was New Orleans. Like, I don't know how the Saints could make it work under the cap because they are mm-hmm. like in, in salary cap hell. But, um, you know, they definitely need a quarterback and uh, that would be an interesting possibility. And if if it's someplace Russ would be willing to play, maybe there's a way for it to happen. You know, sometimes salary cap problems have a way of uh, magically being resolved. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, 
So, yeah, but like, I don't know what you guys think about it. I guess the bigger question is like, are we still going to see the same Russ? Cause like, I know part of it was him coming back from that like grizzly finger injury. Like he just was not the same guy for his first month or so back and maybe not for really the rest of the 2021 season. Like he never got back to vintage Russ and just didn't seem to have any chemistry with DK Metcalf, which mm-hmm. was kind of weird. Um, except for that one three touchdown game, I guess late in the season that won a lot of people fantasy playoff games. But um, yeah, so like, I don't know. I mean, this is, I I don't know how Russ's game is going to age. Part of it was that like, he used to be so good at like spinning out of pass rush pressure and like, you know, making plays on the move and and doing things like off script. And Mm -hmm. like, if he doesn't have that mobility anymore, I wonder if some of the Russ magic is is going to disappear and we get a pretty average quarterback the rest of the way. I hope that's not the case because, you know, I'm a, a big Russ guy, but like, you know, I, I would warn whoever is interested in him, like, you know, you better be sure you're getting vintage Russ. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, it was just really scary. Like, I think that was the biggest warning sign. You kind of mentioned it, except for that one outlier game. He really had kind of like a, he didn't really seem to mesh well in the Seattle offense at the end of the season, which was something like really surprising. And like, I mean, you can even make the argument that that keys into that. He's just not happy with the organization. He's no longer meshing with Pete Carroll. They're no longer on the same page. And so, I mean, I think that he has the potential just because, I mean, I don't know, this is kind of a bad example, but the other day we saw in the Pro Bowl skills showdown, he hit like every single target, you know, he's one of the, he's one of the most accurate quarterbacks in the league. So, I mean, I think he has the talent. It's just going to be about finding the right fit for him. And then uh, also one more thing I was going to say, it's kind of the Washington commanders seem to be kind of the team that I feel like they're hinting at maybe going after him. What was it? Ron Rivera said the other day, something about being open to the possibility of another quarterback. So they're definitely, uh, showing interest and so that's where if i was going to say one team that's where i'd expect him to go but yeah yeah i mean he is 33 though he's got like obviously he's been in the nfl for a while maybe he just doesn't have that same juice left but i think the washington commanders is definitely an enticing destination and they they were one of the teams in the market for stafford last offseason we know that now they got outbid basically was what it was and now they're back for russell wilson and i think they might be gunning even harder because as much as like Taylor Heineke had his moments, we everyone now seems to know after the season and the whatever it was six and eleven record or seven and ten that Taylor Heineke is not the answer that can bring this team into a playoff run. But Russell Wilson could be, and so that's interesting mm-hmm. to monitor. Yeah. yeah, and another thing I think like there's no quarterback in this draft like you can feel comfortable saying is even going to be like a sure starter in the NFL come like 2024. You yeah, know, like. Close there's just no sure bet. So it's not like Washington can uh, like if they were sitting where they are in, in, uh, in the 2023 draft, they might be willing to pick their quarterback of the future. Cause they're going to be guys like down to the, the middle of the first round and that with like potential franchise potential. Uh, and true. I don't think they, they have that in this year's draft. So. Yeah, I would agree. There's not one that I feel like is a strong bet to do great. And I feel like people are going to fall in love with Malik Willis for his speed and arm, but he's such like a like inconsistent prospect that like it's there's he's far from a guarantee as well. He's just got that athletics, a lot of athleticism that a lot of guys in this year's draft don't have, at least in that capacity. But I do want to move on to talk about, I guess, the last quarterback here. I think the one who is most sure to move on for sure is Deshaun Watson. And I don't think Deshaun Watson takes another snap as a Texan. But there's just so much going on with his legal issues. Obviously, they're going to try to move him this offseason. There's always those traditional destinations floated, always the Dolphins floated in these conversations, it seems like, maybe the Panthers. But, like, 
now with the Dolphins, like now that Flores is gone, I feel like they're keeping guys around who they feel like believe in Tua as a QB. So maybe not, but maybe they'd be open to it. It's just a very complicated situation. But I am interested to hear your guys' thoughts and where you think Watson could go and his fantasy value. Yeah, I mean, really, for me, I just, it's so concerning. Like, I mean, I'm a Giants fan. I cannot imagine, like, hearing the news that Deshaun Watson was going to my team like that. It just seems way too risky. There's so many allegations on the table. And I think until things get more cleared up, the Texans either aren't going to get what price they're asking for, or uh, no one's going to go ahead and buy Deshaun Watson. So for now, until I hear something that says that things are getting cleared up, I don't think any teams are going to be willing to bite just because, I mean, it's going to cost a lot to get Deshaun Watson away from the Texans. So uh, for now, I think that it's just kind of a, a bit of a stalemate. So I don't expect to see a ton of moves, at least now, until something... I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if we start to hear more about the allegations and what's going on legally, but uh, I wouldn't expect to hear anything about where he's going until that's over. Yeah, um, so, I mean, like, as long as there's nothing, uh, I think most of the cases are the allegations. It's, it's like, civil and not criminal right now, so that, mm-hmm. I mean, it maybe would open the door to him coming back. And, and Calvin mentioned Carolina, and I think that's definitely, like, the team to keep an eye on because we haven't heard any Aaron Rodgers to Carolina possibilities. Mm-hmm. We haven't really heard Russ to Carolina. So, like, I think David Tepper, their owner, the, you know, hedge fund manager, it, it seems like he's getting impatient and wants, uh, you know, a little more for his money right now and is going to make some sort of big splash. And I, I think like Watson is the one guy who um, obviously like, this maybe makes him a little bit more gettable. Uh, and I, I would not be surprised if they made a run at him. And if they get him like this, this guy who like that is, you know, it, if not for these uh, legal complications, like he's a more attractive asset than Aaron Rodgers right now because of the age, you know, and he's, he's mobile. He's got a great arm. He's shown that he can be like, he is legit as an NFL passer. So like, um, yeah, that like to me, that's probably the single most interesting uh, storyline of a player who's going to be on the move, like in the entire league. I agree. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting because I think he's also the most likely, like given this situation, like he said, he doesn't want to play for the Texans. Like it's just outright clear. He won't take a snap for them. In my opinion, like he's gotta go at some point. Like we've never, it's, there's nothing to compare it to like no precedent really for this exact type of thing with like a superstar QB. But I just feel like he has to be gone this off season. Like there's Mm -hmm. no way otherwise I don't, in my opinion. Yeah. Okay, so let's move on to running backs. Just so many crazy quarterback storylines this offseason. Like, we haven't even, like, seen really ever. Just three superstar quarterbacks could be on the move, potentially. At running back, it's a little bit more dry, as it usually is. But there are a few, like, three main free agents that I think are really interesting. And the first is Melvin Gordon. And Melvin Gordon, we saw this season, was basically in a 50-50 timeshare with Javante Williams. When it neared the end of the year, when Javante Williams broke out after the bye, and then he had a really just nice schedule to end the year, and he was... He was starting to stay on the field just a little bit more. He was getting more of those explosive runs. His stat line started to dwarf Melvin Gordon's and everyone was, a lot of people by the end were just rallying for Javante all the time and (laughs) sitting down Melvin Gordon. And I don't know if that was the best strategy given like you want to keep your guys fresh and to an certain extent, like Javante played off of Melvin Gordon and Melvin Gordon played off Javante Williams, but he, I feel like Melvin Gordon will find find a market in free agency. And I honestly feel like he might be the top free agent running back. Like, I know he's older, but he's done it before. Thousand-yard seasons, he's done it. 
He's got the pedigree. He's still solid. Hasn't showed any signs of like being washed up. So like there are just a lot of different destinations where he could go. But yeah, what do you guys think on Melvin Gordon's value this offseason? I don't think personally that he goes back to the Broncos. Yeah, so you, uh, another guy in my wheelhouse is a former Badger. And, uh, you know, I was uh, I was in the stands when he rushed for over 300 yards against Nebraska uh, late in wow. his college career. So, um, yeah, like, and, and Melvin, I feel like, has um, maybe been a little bit underrated for his career. I mean, sure. so many people look would just have loved to shove him out of the way and let Javante have the uh, runway to being the workhorse back in Denver. But, like, Melvin was actually pretty good this year. Yeah. Um, and like kind of always has been ever since that disappointing rookie year where he somehow didn't score any touchdowns. I think <laughs> since then he's averaged like double digit touchdowns every other year in his career. So, um, yeah, I think he's pretty good. I could see him landing in a place like Miami where they need someone, a place like Atlanta where they need a compliment to, uh, Cordero Patterson, who's going to be better than Mike Davis. Uh, maybe Houston where, you know, they were using a, a pretty bizarre amalgam of backs last year and it was Rex Burkhead by the end of the season as their lead guy. So, and, you know, maybe places like Arizona where both of those backs are free agents or the Buccaneers where there's going to be some turnover in that backfield or maybe, I don't know, the Jets, if they decide they don't want Michael, Michael Carter to shoulder a heavy load, which would be kind of funny because Melvin Gordon would then be, uh, splitting time with both of North Carolina's backs from a couple of years ago. Um, I so, would want that for himself. <laughs> probably not, but uh, I, I agree with what you were saying though, Calvin. Like, I think he's uh, still probably like the top guy in the market and like, you know, has really shown no signs of uh, deterioration with age. So he's probably mm -hmm. got another good year or two left in him. Yeah, yeah definitely. And I mean, oh, yeah, that's what, I mean, I'm just thinking like, I think he'd, best perform in a situation where like he's not necessarily like the lead part of the offense I don't think that a team is going to be looking for him to be a big part of the offense and maybe that comes with having like a, a solid change of pace back like I mean not even a change of pace maybe it's just a, a one-two punch somewhere like the Jets like you said Michael Carter I think that would be really interesting where he's I don't think he's going to be like the workhorse uh RB1 in any offense but I think it could be really interesting and add a dynamic piece to any offense if he decides to uh go ahead and join like a team like that, you know? Totally agree, man. We're in the age of the, uh, the committee mm -hmm. backfield by committee. And I think that's what they're, they're going to be looking for him to do, to be a contributor a, to a multi-headed backfield. Mm -hmm. One yeah. of the biggest frustrations in fantasy committees. <laughs> I know, man. And the thing is like, I, I mentioned that I've been playing this game for a long time ago in the, in the nineties or, you know, early two thousands, we used to throw our hands up when it was a two man backfield. Like, Oh, what are we going to do with mm -hmm. this? You know, now it's like you hope it's just two and not like three, you know, yeah. like a two man backfield you're OK with. It's it's when we get to like three guys <laughs> rotating. And so it's uh, it's definitely changed over the years for mm -hmm. sure. Yeah, I just think the uh, one other thing I will say about Melvin Gordon is that he's going to want to go to a winning team or at least a team that has potential. Like he's played on losing teams like his entire career. He's not. I don't think he's going to try to run for like 3.8 yards per carry on like a like Falcons team going into the ground, like as much as they might need him, unless they pay him a lot of money, maybe then he'll go there. But I feel like just Matt Ryan's on his last legs. I don't know if Melvin Gordon would find the Falcons as a particularly attractive destination. Like money can change everything for sure. But I, and I do think, I think there's a lot of places he could go, but just, I feel like he's going to prioritize definitely winning to an extent for sure. 
Yeah, that's a good point. And it, a lot of the uh, teams with running back vacancies are like bottom dwellers. So you might be right about that. He might take, uh, you know, less money to go somewhere where he has a chance to get a ring. Yeah, like a Le'Veon Bell move, except Le'Veon Bell didn't play at all on Kansas City. <laughs> exactly. Uh, and, and maybe the Ravens, like maybe that's a destination. Like I know they have Dobbins coming back and, and maybe Gus Edwards too, but um, yeah, who knows? They, they might be looking for someone. Mm-hmm. I would hate that for fantasy, but that, uh, that would be a good move potentially for the Ravens. But yeah, I think another guy, like another veteran that's on the market, obviously Leonard Fournette, speaking of guys who signed places to get a ring. And I mean, but Leonard Fournette did have a really, really good year this year. And he was obviously productive from the, it was in the 2020 regular season. It was mostly the Ronald Jones show. Then in the playoffs in the Super Bowl, it became playoff Lenny. And he just took it into the next year and became an RB one. And I think, I mean, one of really the comeback players of the year for fantasy but now, like, I don't think I, – I don't know what to think about Fournette. I don't think he's the same player he used to be at all because I, I still think he was able to be productive mainly because the Bucs have, like, perhaps the best passing offense in the league last year with all their receivers and Tom Brady. I don't think I, he's going to command, like, top-shelf running back money in the slightest. But he did – it did turn out that getting cut from the Jaguars was a good thing for him for sure because not only did he get his ring, he definitely brought up his value – I think there's a chance he sticks around on a one-year deal, but do you guys think he would want like a longer term contract? Like, I don't know if he's going to get it, but like elsewhere, would he try for like a two or three year deal to maybe not just be on one year rentals with the bucks anymore? Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah, definitely. When you're a running back, especially in this like day and age running backs, it's so easy for them to get injured. So any opportunity they can get to lock up uh, future money is obviously going to be something that they're looking to get. But really one thing I want to say on Leonard Fournette is I think that the Bucs are actually going to kind of make a point to try and sign him this year. Bruce Arian showed absolutely no confidence in Ronald Jones as the season <laughs> progressed. I mean, yeah. you remember from week one, I was someone that was excited to see what Ronald Jones could do. And uh, I think he was pretty much the starter. It looked like it was going to be like in that first game, at least it was like a 75-25 split. And then Ronald Jones had whatever, like had a fumble in that first game and just struggled. And then since then, he... Bruce Arians just stopped having that confidence in Ronald Jones. And he just started to hand over the reins to Leonard Fournette to the point where he almost became a sort of workhorse. Ronald Jones was really maybe three, four carries a game towards the end of the season. So I think that Leonard Fournette is a big part of their offense. So I think that they're going to look to re-sign him. But like you said, Calvin, I think it's going to be more on a one-year deal. I don't know if they're going to want that, uh, that long-term contract. So that opens the door for other teams to try and grab him too. Yeah, I agree with Chris. I mean, I think running backs are now like, as far as contracts, they're second class citizens. These guys do not make the money that uh, considering the abuse they take. I mean, these guys are really underpaid. And I think if he can get a multi-year deal, he'll take it, especially now that he's getting a little older. I mean, he just turned 27. It sounds funny to talk about him as an older player, but we know uh, the age curve at running back is a little different. So um, yeah, like I, I, I could see the Bucs, though, making an effort to re-sign him. And it seems like, you know, we saw last year they want multiple contributors. It just kind of happened that they lost faith in Ronald Jones. Uh, Giovanni Bernard struggled with injuries all season. I think they felt like Keyshawn Vaughn wasn't ready. But they had this loaded backfield, which was mm-hmm. why I think a lot of people wound up getting great deals on Leonard Fournette in drafts last year because, yeah. like, everyone was really puzzled by how this backfield was going to play out. Yeah, for yep. sure. He really was like almost, he was definitely a league winner from those later rounds. But yeah, I think I, I could see, I could see it being sort of likely that he like goes back to the Bucks, keeps trying to win for a one-year deal, but also maybe like tries to get a two-year 
some i don't know how much you get paid i maybe 10 15 million like i'm sure 15 would be what he'd hope for 10 might be more around what he'd get but like somewhere else just for a couple couple years to just lock up some more money it'll be interesting uh finally the guy maybe who is most polarizing and hard to like it's hard to tell exactly what he is gonna do I mean, maybe not what he's going to do, but how teams are going to view him. I do feel like Cordero Patterson, who is the last guy on here, will re-sign with Atlanta because he carved out a role there that he hasn't had anywhere else. And, I mean, like, he was able to be productive, and Atlanta used him for the first time, really, as, like, a, like, not like, not in a traditional featured back in that sense because he also was catching a lot more passes than a traditional, like, featured back, but, like, a hybrid running back wide receiver type who was heavily involved in the offense. And I feel like that's his new role I don't know if he wants to go back somewhere like he was in Chicago where it's just like four carries and the occasional jet sweep like I feel like he will want to re-sign with Atlanta and become stay fantasy relevant I don't know if Atlanta will take someone at running back in the offseason but I feel like that'd be a place where he'd be comfortable but what do you guys think about Patterson and where he could go yeah this is just such a unique case I mean this guy who comes into the league as a wide receiver doesn't really work out there becomes one of the best kick returners in the league then gets like tried it's no surprise Bill Belichick and the Patriots who have the foresight to maybe try him at running back and it kind of works out and like you know the the Atlanta Falcons really sort of lean into that role for him but like now he's into his 30s and uh although I suppose he hasn't endured the same sort of wear and tear most uh you know running backs do since this is kind of a new role for him so who knows maybe he can continue to be effective but it was weird that the Falcons kind of dialed down his usage in the passing game as the season went on and used him more and more as a traditional back like I'd love to see him get back to the way they were using him earlier in the year where he was sort of like this you know guy they line him up out, out wide in the slot in the backfield like just all over the place is this just total wild card so mm-hmm. um yeah, I mean, wherever he goes, I want to see him go to like an innovative head coach. Yeah, like, I want sure. someone who's going to really like, you know, have fun playing with this guy and and like using him in some unique ways. Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe he needs like a different uh, running back to be added this offseason, because I feel like maybe a lot of the reason where he was more of a traditional running back is because you can't trust Mike Davis to get more than like two yards of carry on any given <laughs> week. So if you're adding a guy, maybe even like Melvin Gordon, that would be a cool pairing to see. And if you're saying like, if I think we all agree that Gor- Melvin Gordon's not an 18 to 20 carry back anymore, or at least that's not the optimal way to use him. But if he gets 12, 15 a game, Patterson gets eight and then like five catches, something like that, that seems like a solid role for him and like maybe getting back to how he is most effective and used best Chris what do you think about that or in Patterson in general I mean definitely yeah I like what you said an innovative head coach that would be something really interesting just to see I mean I'd like to mention a team uh like the Chiefs as a possibility Daryl Williams is a free agent this year and then obviously Clyde Hilaire hasn't shown they haven't they don't have I feel like they don't have a ton of confidence at him. I mean, obviously they want to move forward with him, but bringing in a, a veteran and be a guy that they can really use in a lot of different ways. I feel like would be a really good signing, kind of a, a small signing for the chiefs. And then obviously he's going to be looking to go to a contender like that. Someone that's uh, hasn't gotten a, or, well, hasn't, I mean, he's been on some successful teams, uh, the Patriots, but you know, he hasn't had a super all successful career. I think he'd love to go there. And I mean, we saw that the Chiefs like to target some veteran running backs. They went after Le'Veon Bell uh, last offseason, so I wouldn't be surprised if they uh, go ahead and try and pick up a guy that they can kind of play in a, a few different ways and then also be a veteran presence. Man, I hadn't thought of your that pairing at all. I like your thinking on that, Chris. Mm-hmm. That would be uh, that would be a lot of fun. 
Andy Reid and Cordero Patterson would be a match made in heaven. Yeah, no, that would be really cool to see for sure. All right, so yeah, let's move on. We got four wide receivers to talk about, and then we can get right to our breakout value and bust picks, which we have one each for at the end of the show. So this one, I feel like Devontae Adams runs hand-in-hand with Aaron Rodgers, and that wherever Aaron Rodgers is, Devontae Adams is most likely to be. It's also possible that Aaron Rodgers, if Aaron Rodgers leaves and goes somewhere, maybe Devontae Adams just gets top shelf, like over $20 million a year wide receiver money somewhere else. But unless like that happens, I do feel like he's going to stick with Rodgers. So that might, it might be like a cap issue for teams trying to sign them, obviously. So that's another constraint, but I do feel like that's what he at least wants to do. It's a murky situation, Mm -hmm. but there are a lot of teams in the market for wide receivers for sure. Maybe not as many that have the cap space to do it, but yeah. What are your thoughts on potential, like, I guess, destinations for Devontae Adams and whether you think he's going to stick with Aaron Rodgers next year? So I thought um, my initial thinking was that like it was just automatic that the Packers were going to tag him, whether or not they keep Aaron Rodgers. But, um, you know, I've, the, I follow this guy on Twitter who is a like Packer salary cap specialist, just a, mm-hmm. a big Packers fan who like, you know, really digs into the cap stuff. He predicted that they are not going to tag Devonte Adams because their salary cap problems are so <laughs> Uh, considerable that like it's just not feasible that they might just let him walk in which case I mean he might get the biggest contract of any free agents uh, in the market like this year and in fact it's probably a certainty if that's the case but um, yeah and if that happens it's anyone's guess like it's there are a lot of places on the table I think there would be a lot of interested bidders you know Um, Mm -hmm. so boy like and and it maybe not even necessarily a team you would expect that's like kind of wide receiver needy. Like I know there's been talk about him going to the Chicago bears, like th- that the bears would be interested if Devonte hit the open market, but like, you know, would Devonte want to go to the bears? Maybe he'd take less to go to a team that already had some wide receivers, but was closer to a super bowl. So yeah. Um, yeah, it would be interesting. And like who, maybe the Raiders uh, mm-hmm. repairing with a uh, college teammate, uh Derek Carr so <laughs> yeah yeah um it would be interesting like I I mean I would hate to see him leave Green Bay you know this guy is just such a, a an incredible performer uh it would hurt my heart for him to uh no longer be wearing green and gold but like it's it's a possibility yeah I mean I like the Raiders yeah. though potentially if he does leave that's very interesting for sure yeah one like if if people watching this and listening to this want to like go look up something fun, go Google Devonte Adams college stats at Fresno state. Like your eyes will bug out of your head. Uh, when you like see what he and Derek, uh, Derek Carr did together there, it was pretty incredible. Yeah. And I mean, we've seen how much, uh, at least Aaron Rod or Devonte Adams has just talked about that being that connection with his quarterback, Aaron Rodgers. And then, I mean, now to go back to a quarterback that he's already been with, I think that's going to be really appealing because we see how important that it, that is. So I would really like the Raiders as a good possible fit for him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. And I think, I mean, that's the place where like, they've got like a guy like Renfro, they're not necessarily super wide receiver needy, but like they do 
they could use a top shelf wide receiver. I mean, who couldn't like any team, even like the chiefs, I can't just imagine, like, I don't think there's any way you could go to the chiefs, but maybe I just don't want to imagine it. Like Tyree kill Devonte Adams and Travis Kelsey all in the same passing game. Like that team's winning the super bowl. And I would guarantee it the second Devonte Adams signs there. Like there's just no stopping that, but I wouldn't think that would happen that we can dream for Patrick Mahomes' fantasy value, but I don't think that's going to be the case. There are a few other wide mm. receivers here. Obviously we got to talk about Devonte Adams, easily the top man on the market. But one guy who is I pretty certain to enter free agency, I feel like, because he's already been tagged, is Chris Godwin. So the Bucks would have to pay a lot of money to tag Chris Godwin again. He could re-sign with them for a long-term deal, and I think that's also very possible. I, I mean, Bruce Arians, a lot of people talk about it. He's an old coach. He's not going to want to go through a rebuild, maybe. So maybe he tries to retake his stars, just get like two more years out of it. Maybe, I don't know if the owners will be too happy after Bruce Arians just retires and leaves the team in shambles with salary cap troubles. But like, I think Bruce Arians will go out and do whatever it takes spending wise to try to win another Super Bowl in his last couple of years as coach. So I think there's a good chance Chris Godwin returns to the Bucks. But I mean, what do you guys think? Maybe other destinations you have in mind as well? Or do you think he goes to the Bucks and returns on a long-term deal? Yeah, I mean, I, I'd say it's most likely. I feel I kind of agree with you there, Calvin, that the Bucs are going to try and get one more Super Bowl year uh, out of Chris Godwin. But then again, it's tough because they obviously can't tag him again. I mean, it, well, they could, but it would cost them a lot of money. So it's just a tough situation. I think they'd love to bring him back, but uh, I also wouldn't be surprised if he walks. I mean, there are going to be so many teams that are going to be on the market for a guy that maybe they're not going to have to pay. De- I mean, obviously, they're not going to have to pay Devontae Adams money, but can definitely still be a wide receiver one in any offense. And so that's, that's an appealing target for a team that's looking to grab their wide receiver one, but doesn't want to uh, uh, give up everything. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I keep mentioning the bears as a possible destination because their wide receiver room is going to be really empty after this year or after, uh, you know, Allen Robinson isn't going to be there any longer. It's basically just going to be Darnell Mooney. Um, mm-hmm. So, and, and he's an outside guy. So I think they have a room for a slot guy potentially, but um yeah, like there are some other possibilities. Like if if Christian Kirk leaves the Cardinals and they decide Rondell Moore like isn't really cut out to be a full time slot guy, maybe maybe he goes there and pairs with Kyler Murray. Some some interesting possibilities for sure. But like I'm a big Godwin fan. Like I mm-hmm. I hope he, I would love to see him paired with the top quarterback. Um, yeah. continue to be paired with the top quarterback because he is just uh, you know, like I'm I'm always looking to get him in fantasy drafts if I can at a reasonable price. So uh, it seems like, you know, he's a guy who's uh, in my mind, he's kind of a star and people don't always regard him as such. So like I, I do tend to wind up with him on a lot of my rosters. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. So it, I'm very eagerly going to be watching to see where he goes. Yep. Yeah. I just think the one thing though, is that like, all, with all the hype and speculation, we always want to pair someone with like the next big free agency spot. And occasionally there's that big transaction that hits in free agency like Stefan Diggs. But more often than not, I feel like you don't get Stefan Diggs and instead you get maybe not to this extreme, but you get Kenny Galladay and you get someone who just does not fare very well in their new destination. So I don't know if it gets much better than what Chris Godwin had with Tom Brady, but maybe that'll be something if he lands in a not so great spot. The fantasy community fades him maybe out of that to, to that back end wide receiver to like borderline top 25 top 30 range that which I think is very possible then maybe he ends up being a value again who knows like I see can mm-hmm. still be productive with another quarterback I just don't think it gets better than it was over these last few years. No, agree. 
Okay, let's move on to, I guess, who we just mentioned. Allen Robinson also was tagged last year, if I'm remembering correctly. Also, I think, I would say, I believe he leaves as well. Just, I don't know. He's such a tough case. Like, he's been, he's had some great years. He's had some bad years. He's had some years coming off of injuries. He's had some years where he's missed all of it. He's had some, and like, like last year, like, he just was not very involved and didn't do much. And suddenly, Darnell Mooney was the wide receiver one there. So, like, he by performing the way he did this year, which I mean, obviously he was like, it was a tough season for the bears in general. His free agency stock has definitely gone down. So maybe that's the cruel part of the franchise tag for sure. He didn't get the opportunity to really get the, maybe the same long-term contract he would have gotten, but I think he signs somewhere maybe around 15, 14 million a year and gets a solid deal to be a wide receiver one for a team. It's just interesting to find out who that'll be uh, for sure. So what do you guys think about, Robinson and whether he sticks around. Yeah, I think, I think on the market, I agree with you, Calvin. I think teams are probably going to give him a pass on the one bad year. And uh, especially since this was a guy who, and like, this was the fatal flaw for anyone who took him in their fantasy drafts this year. We thought we, that he was basically uh quarterback independent I guess you could yeah. say like a, a dude who mm -hmm. had 1400 yards and 14 touchdowns with Blake Bortles as his quarterback a guy who was productive with you know Mitchell Trubisky as his quarterback and um you know we just kind of figured he'd keep rolling along as the Bears broke in Justin Fields and it just sort of didn't click with him but then again a lot of things didn't really click with Matt Nagy running the show in Chicago yeah. so um and like he was also hurt I mean, he was banged up this year, so maybe he does deserve that pass. Uh, wherever he goes, it's not going to be in Chicago. Um, and, you know, like it would kind of be nice to see Allen Robinson finally play with a good quarterback. Like no, even going back to college at Penn State, he was playing with Christian Hackenberg. So like <laughs> get this guy, a, a dude who can like, you know, fit in the ball in, in some tight windows. I'd love to see it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that'd be great for sure. Yeah, that's exactly what I'm thinking. I just want him. He's just one of those players that you can just tell he's filled with potential. He just needs that one good quarterback year where I feel like he could really assert himself as a, a top 10 wide receiver. And uh, I mean, that's what I'm hoping for him. Uh, I just really hope he doesn't end up going back to some situation. I mean, it's not going to be the Bears, but some situation where he's going to be struggling with uh, inconsistent quarterback play. Mm hmm. Okay, so we got one guy left here. Then we can move into the picks at the end of the show. This is a guy who I don't think, and it's going to be interesting to see what happens with Juju Smith-Schuster, especially coming off of his season-ending injury. But I don't think, and I have been adamant about this, I don't think Juju <laughs> commands very much free agency value, at least compared to how the public sees it. And, I mean, there's a number of reasons why. First of all, he's never done it without Antonio Brown. I feel like he's never, in all of these, like, He's never done it without being in that like wide receiver two role behind a superstar. He's had like these last couple of years. He's had a lot of struggles. He's been resorted to basically an at the line, like super low a dot like type of receiver. And last off season, he tested the market, then just came back and took like a one year, $8 million deal with the Steelers. And I can't imagine how his value would have possibly gone up since then. And since he's now aged another year and he's like, I don't know, he was kind of demoted to the three in the offense. He kind of, he also got hurt. Like, there's just a lot of factors, and I don't think he can produce a very high level elsewhere. I think he's a good receiver as a complimentary guy, but I think any team that signs him as a wide receiver one might end up regretting it. But I also feel like NFL teams kind of see that as they allowed him to return to Pittsburgh. I feel like there's a chance, like, he returns to Pittsburgh again just in that role. 
but that would just be so bad too for fantasy with the quarterback situation. So I do want to hear what you guys think and maybe what the best case scenario is for Juju Smith-Schuster next year. Yeah, and Pat, as you can tell, uh, Calvin is one of the biggest Juju Smith-Schuster haters that uh, I have <laughs> ever seen. He, what did you have him, Calvin, last year? Like even when a lot of people had him higher, you had him like 20, late, 30 spots late below. 40s. I had Elijah Moore ahead of him, which I was proud of. So <laughs> like he, late 40s type of ranking for Juju Smith-Schuster. Yeah, and he's going to be even lower. I'm, I don't even know if he'll make your top 60 this year, Calvin, depending I don't on know. where he goes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, so, um, oh man, like... <sighs> So I've, I've been kind of a juju guy and like, I, I love the fact that he came in even with, you know, and obviously we have to attribute a lot of it to the presence of Antonio Brown, but like he came in at this young age, like age 21, or I think he was even maybe starting his first year at age 20 maybe. and like has this big year, just precocious production at a young age. And um, like, not only that, but like, kind of quickly became a made man in the Pittsburgh locker room, like knocking Vontez perfect out. Like this guy who had been an enemy of the Steelers and, and mm-hmm. Steelers fandom. And like, you know, Juju just lays him out with this block. And that's another thing, a reason why maybe there's a little more interest in him this year. And, and granted, you make a great point about like the market was kind of tepid on him last year, but I mean, this is a dude who blocks his tail off. <laughs> like he is a complete receiver um some versatility in the formation like I think he should be a slot guy like play that big slot role but like he can line up outside so maybe there is going to be more interest um you know maybe with that versatility like the dream matchup for him would be going home to Southern California you know is he a SoCal kid he went to USC go back to the Chargers play with Justin Herbert I know they've got Keenan Allen who's their primary slot guy Mm -hmm. but like Allen can line up outside. Juju can line up outside. Maybe, um, you know, they could work it with both of those guys and he gets to play with a top quarterback. So um, Mm -hmm. I'd love to see something like that. Maybe the Colts. I mean, I think the Colts need some help for Pittman. Um, But yeah, I'm I'm hoping. I know you're not going to have him on any of your teams, Calvin, Mm -hmm. but like, I'm, I'm hoping he can go somewhere where it like rekindles uh, Mm -hmm. interest in him. And, you know, I might be the sucker who buys into him again in uh, 2022. (laughs) Sure. I mean, honestly though, like with, if he plays with another top shelf receiver, like Keenan Allen as a wide receiver too, and he's playing in the slot for a lot of the time. Cause I don't think like he's built like for, as a primary, like he's definitely not built as a primary outside receiver. Like, I would say I don't mind that destination. I feel like there's production to be had there. But I think the team, a mistake, the biggest mistake that the team, a team could make is signing him to a spot with inconsistent quarterback play, like a wide receiver needy team that would bring him in as an outside wide receiver one. He would struggle in that role. And I would think that would be just a huge mistake, which I think NFL teams understand. But I think honestly, like, yeah, playing alongside Justin Herbert with Keenan Allen, that's a pretty nice spot. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I wouldn't mind him as much there. For sure. And I think there's some production to be had. If that, yeah, if actually, that's the case. I really like the Chargers, what you said about the Chargers and the possibility of them bringing Juju. And obviously, Mike Williams being a free agent, he could totally come in and sort of take over that role. I mean, obviously, he's kind of a different player than Mike Williams. Mike Williams plays a lot over the top. Judas Mishishir, you know, like you said, he's a versatile player, likes to play on the line. But uh, definitely an addition that I think their team is, I mean, I'd love to see a wide receiver core, Keenan Allen, Josh Palmer, and Juju Smith-Schuster. I mean, I mm-hmm. think that would be effective with Justin Herbert. And then you've got a pass catching back like Austin Eckler. That's a potent offense with a lot of versatility yeah. for uh, the Chargers to work with. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. All right. So I guess here's the end of the show. The big stuff right here. One breakout. We have one breakout, one bust and one value pick each for next year. And we'll run through these. And yeah, I think it's interesting. I'm looking at these right now. There's a lot that we're going to be <laughs> able to talk about and a lot of different takes here for sure. And I'm, yeah, I'm excited to get into it. So I guess, Pat, do you want to get started? Let's hear your, one of your breakout picks, or I guess we have one each here, but your breakout pick for 2022 uh, fantasy football. All right. So I'll say uh, Ramondre Stevenson. And I think a lot of people are going to view him as the, the, either the backup or the one B to Damian Harris, but like, I don't know. To, mm-hmm. When I watch him, I almost wonder if Ramondre is the better back. And it was weird. Cause he was kind of in the doghouse early in the season. Then he kind of came in like around October and started getting like some work. And then by the end of the season, he was kind of like in a, an even timeshare with Damian Harris. And like, it was uh, a pretty, successful season for him like from week 10 on he averaged like 4.8 yards a carry and I know yards per carry is not like a great stat um and you know in in his case he a lot of times he trampled the bad run defenses and and had a tougher time against you know Buffalo and the Colts and teams that play good run defense but like this dude is a load to tackle he's got quick feet and he can actually catch the ball pretty well and I think you know the Patriots are pretty committed to a run heavy ball control offense with Mac Jones. Like, I don't think they're going to suddenly open things up with Mac at quarterback. So I think there's room for two guys to produce. And I just really like what we saw from this guy in his rookie year. Yeah. I really mm-hmm. love that pick. I think he could be very undervalued next year potentially and could have a good yeah. season. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's kind of similar to how we were talking about Leonard Fournette earlier. Just like a lot of people kind of shied away from him just because they weren't sure how that backfield was going to kind of line up with Ronald Jones there. I think it's going to be kind of a similar storyline for Damian Harris and Ramondre Stevenson. And I mean, he showed a ton of talent towards the end of the season. Um, and I don't see why Bill Belichick isn't going to, I mean, Bill Belichick, he gets the most out of his players. And uh, I think he can do that with Stevenson and he can turn into an effective runner. So yeah, I actually really like that pick too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I do. Yeah. I think, yeah, I think, I feel like there's a chance that he could just easily like maybe one day it's just going to be like how it was with Ronald Jones. Damian Harris fumbles the football. He gets off the field. Then Ramondre Stevenson runs for like a hundred yards and two touchdowns. And suddenly it's like, oh, this guy, maybe this guy really is the better back and he'll stay on for 60, 70% of the carries. I mean, that'd be the best case scenario. And I mean, then in that case, the sky's the limit. Like he could easily be like a good RB two, or I don't even know, maybe even higher, depending on how much the Patriots continue to run the ball next year. Yeah, the Patriots haven't done like a one back system very often, but like when they had uh, Corey Dillon like a while ago as their main guy, like mm-hmm. he was a, a very valuable fantasy asset. So it would be uh, that would be the dream, but I think he could have fantasy value even in a timeshare with another mm-hmm. back. So. Yeah, I hundred percent agree. Uh, so Chris, do you want to give your breakout pick for next year? Yeah, mine is Kadarius Tony, and I I always Giants buy. I think this is Giants. Bias. I know. I I feel like <laughs> I I feel bad every time I pick a player from my favorite team, uh, the Giants. But uh, there's so much to like with Kadarius Tony. The Giants just recently signed Mike Kafka as their uh, offensive coordinator, who was formerly the quarterback coach with Patrick Mahomes. And I'd love to see Kadarius Tony. I mean, take a, over a role sort of like what Tyreek Hill has. Like, I'm not saying that. Kadarius Tony by any means is anything like Tyree Hill has or Tyree Hill is, but he's got that same speed. He's so elusive and he's shown ability to get open downfield. He also has the ability to uh, be a gadget player, uh, catch passes out of the backfield. Even he can do a lot. And I think that bringing in this whole new kind of offensive uh, group of personnel and it's as coaches, is going to really help. A lot of it does live to Daniel Jones and, I mean, that's why it's a bit of a breakup because there's definitely the possibility that Daniel Jones struggles next year. 
um, if they do bring him back, which I'm expecting they will do. But uh, I mean, I think there's so much potential there. And I love Mike Kafka and Brian Dale to as two coaches that I think could totally bring that out. And uh, I think he could end up producing numbers that we saw flashes of during the season and maybe end up near a top 24 wide receiver. Because right now the Giants need someone to step up as a wide receiver one because Kenny Galladay showed that, uh, or at least didn't do that last year. So, <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, I like that. I mean, he is an interesting dude because he like the supporting cast is is going to be terrible, presumably if mm-hmm. it's Daniel Jones or, or whatever. But, you know, maybe that's a good thing because they don't have, uh, you know, other than Galladay, who was a colossal disappointment. Like there's not mm-hmm. a lot else there at wide receiver um, like his two game kind of mini breakout mm-hmm. that he had yeah. like like that was just so eye opening. Like what an athlete that guy is like he mm-hmm. would have these plays where he did like you know, these little routes where he'd run eight yards, turn back to the quarterback, catch it. And he would have a guy in his hip pocket, but he would like spring out as Mm -hmm. soon as the ball was in his hands, he would just like explode out of the gates, like a sprinter and like lose the guy who was covering him. Like just an incredibly twitchy athlete and like potentially really special, but it also makes you nervous that he had like four different injuries sidelining him over the last Mm -hmm. like month and a half of the season. Like it wasn't just one thing. It was like this medley of injuries. So like, Mm -hmm. yeah, I just don't know what to do with this guy. Like I'm a lot of people are going to remember those two games and be really excited about him. I mean, there's some, some red flags, but like, Oh man, the, the upside is undeniable. Yeah. I feel like he could have had a chance to keep doing that had he not gotten hurt. So I do like that as a potential breakout pick, I could see him falling to the back of drafts. Like why not take a shot right there? Because the limit, this like it, he's done it. What he did for two games, obviously that's not going to be something repeated over an entire season, but if he can be a high volume guy with after the catch ability, like a Debo Samuel, like we just found out this year that that can mean insane production for fantasy football. And so Kadarius Tony could easily do it. I like how we all have like second year players here. And I think that makes a lot of sense too, but my breakout guy for next year is Devonte Smith. I think Devonte Smith was, I don't know. I, he was a breakout guy for this year as well. And I wouldn't say he was a disappointment. He probably produced around where his ADP was. It turned out, I thought he was going to be a little bit better, but I still wasn't like super disappointed because Devonte Smith still did see some work. I mean, looking at his stats, 104 targets, 64 catches for 916 yards and five touchdowns. That is not bad at all for a rookie. We know he has the college pedigree, first wide receiver in 29 years to win a Heisman Trophy. We know he can run routes. And I think what has been absolutely dispelled is that Devontae Smith is not an injury-prone receiver. In fact, I was talking about it like in our year-in-review show. Looking back on it, Devontae Smith played all 16 games. Looking back on it, Devontae, or 17 games, actually. And looking back on it, he also only missed, like I looked up this up, he missed two games in his entire SEC career. So I love how contrary to popular belief, Devontae Smith is actually a durable receiver, which, and I think that's going to continue. Like he has done a nice job. Like he has stayed healthy. His weight has not been an issue. And I think he's ready for a year two jump. I think the Eagles will run a lot of their ball control offense, but in the end they got blown out by the Buccaneers and saw that that does not work against top shelf offenses. And so I think they're going to need a lot more Devonte Smith. And if they get Russell Wilson, if the Eagles pick up Russell Wilson, Oh my goodness, the sky's the limit. And I will be drafting him everywhere if so. But even if not, I think he's still got some upside for next year. Yeah. So they like the one thing that was maybe dragging Devonta Smith down, like in as far as his share of, uh targets and air yards like it was positive that he 
was this featured player in the offense from the get-go. Like mm-hmm. he was their top pass catcher, no question about it. But they were so run heavy. Like I think yeah. the Eagles were for the season were like they ran on 50% of their snaps. But if you go back and trace it to like week nine, they had this just change in offensive philosophy where they really leaned into like, we're going to run it like we're a big 10 team. And I think from like week nine on, they ran it like 62% of the time. And that's just crazy. And like, there's no way, even if you are the alpha receiver on a team that's running it 62% of the time, like your ceiling is capped. And I I think think that's what he ran into. Yeah, I just think that can't happen again, though, because like right. the Eagles made the playoffs with it. Then they got blown to pieces by the Buccaneers and they couldn't do anything because they had no passing offense. They're going to have to step it up in some way through the air. I don't think 62 percent is happening again next year. And that's why I think there is some potential there for Devontae Smith. Mm-hmm. Agree. Yeah, I think it's tough for me to like, I mean, I wouldn't say I disagree with you on him as a breakout. But I'd say that more I'd like to see him maybe as a possible value just because it's really like with Jalen Hurts as your quarterback. Yes, he's good. But I mean, he's taking carries away. And like, like you said, Pat, I mean, the Eagles show that they just want to run the ball. Like that's kind of what their philosophy is. And I mean, it's not like it didn't. I mean, it's also the Buccaneers are, Buccaneers are a really good team. And I felt like that was a bad all around game. I don't know if that's going to cause an entire uh, philosophy shift in the Eagles organization. So, I mean, there's definitely the possibility that they just go back to that run-heavy uh, play style. And then with Jalen Hurts, again, taking away more carries, it's just a little bit concerning. But, uh, yeah, I think that he has just all the talent in the world, and I think he has the potential. So that's what makes me so like him. It's kind of talent winning over a situation that I don't necessarily, like, really like him to be in. That's fair enough, yeah. Um, so I guess we got busts and then values. So I guess, Pat, do you want to get started with your bust pick for 2022? Sure. And we can talk about him quickly because we've already covered him, but it's yeah. Leonard Fournette for me. And uh, the, the main reason for this is that um, I'm not surprised Tom Brady retired because throughout the season, I think we saw him like checking down much more willingly than he had at any time in the past. Like he looked like a guy who did not want to get hit. And I mean, no quarterback wants to get hit, but I mean, he looked like a guy who really did not want to get hit. Mm-hmm. and uh, was making you know business decisions. And I think that worked to Fournette's benefit. Um, there was no Giovanni Bernard around for most of the season to catch passes. And Ronald Jones is just an absolute train wreck in the passing game, both as a blocker and as a pass catcher. So like they couldn't trust him. Like I'm sure Brady just wouldn't have tolerated Ronald Jones being on the field for more than 30% of the time, just because he's such a liability in those two areas. Fournette was perfect for that. Like, I don't think he's an explosive pass catcher. He averaged 5.4 yards per target, which isn't even really good. Mm -hmm. But he was just sort of the guy who could catch those passes and sort of keep the chains moving and keep the offense on schedule. So um, a a pumped up uh, reception total for him that I don't think is going to repeat wherever he lands. And he's going to be 27, which is kind of that age where, as bizarre as it sounds where we start to see a lot of uh, running backs go over the age cliff. And I, like, I don't want to speak out of both sides of my mouth on that. Cause I'm touting Melvin Gordon as a guy who's aged well, and he's older than 27, but like, you know, it just sort of ups the risk a little bit when guys mm-hmm. hit that age. And I don't think people are going to be spending early draft picks on Melvin Gordon, wherever he goes, but like Fournette might interest them after what he did mm-hmm. in 2021. And like, I think he's going to be a little dangerous as an investment. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. There's too much turnover in that offense for me to completely trust him to return to what he was last season. 
So, yeah, I mean, I definitely like there are other guys that I like in that range where I think he's going to end up going. And like you said, guys like Melvin Gordon are definitely going to be going later than him. I mean, depending on the spot, but uh, yeah, I think there are much better values that you could find. Mm-hmm. All right. So Chris, who have you got as your bust? I've got Chase Claypool and this is kind of an interesting one. I think a lot of people are actually going to be excited about him, especially if Juju leaves, but I'm kind of off the Chase Claypool train. Uh, train. I don't really trust this offense because at least, especially right now, the quarterback play, I mean, the way they talk about Mason Rudolph and Dwayne Haskins is like they have some kind of trust in them, which I mean, in a, <laughs> can't be true. like, I mean, that's, you just can't have trust in a quarterback like Mason Rudolph. And then I just looking at this draft class and just thinking like, I don't even know if it could be a smokescreen because I don't know who else the Steelers are going to be willing to like take the quarterback class is just, it's, it's not great this year. And so I just feel like inconsistent quarterback play is going to combine with Deontay Johnson, who I actually like next season, kind of taking that wide receiver one role and kind of being the bulk of this offense. I mean, then you've got Najee Harris, who they love to check down to in the passing game. And I think that they're going to be sort of a run heavy team as well. So I just feel like while Chase Claypool is talented, I don't think he's going to see as many of those deep ball opportunities as we we've seen in the past. And uh, even if he is seeing those, I don't know how accurate they're going to be or if he's going to be able to catch them. So I just think it's a tough situation for a talented player. And uh, I think that Deontay Johnson is going to kind of really stand out as the wide receiver one in this offense and everyone else is going to kind of be a a step below him. And that includes Chase Claypool. Yeah. And can we, uh, can we add that like Claypool could be kind of a knucklehead at times and it would actually Mm -hmm. get his snaps cut at times by Tomlin. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, we, that game where what, was it against the Vikings where like they're trying to drive on Thursday night and, you know, get the, the game tying touchdown at the end of the game. And he's like pausing to make the first down signal, yeah. like as they're trying to like hurry up to the mm-hmm. line and get things going. So yeah. Um, he might just be one of these dudes, like all tools and no toolbox, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but, and the quarterback issue is huge. As you mentioned, Chris, I mean, that is a big thing. So yeah, I pretty good call there. I, he's going to be a guy I'm shying away from too. Yeah. I just think the one thing though, is that like, I don't know if it can get much worse than big Ben, at least on defaults. Like we know big Ben can, big Ben is very good at throwing the ball to Najee Harris 150,000 times in like one game, but like, and he can get yardage that way, but he can't throw deep. And I feel like Mason Rudolph while atrocious and as atrocious as he has been, wouldn't be like a step down from big Ben deep ball wise. So I don't know if it gets like much worse, but even then it was this year, but like that, it doesn't really have to, because I feel like Chase Claypool will still get enough hype to where his draft position is maybe too inflated. Mm-hmm. Uh, so my bust pick, um, this is definitely a very conditional one. And, but I just feel like that Devonte Adams's draft position will be a bit too inflated if he doesn't play with Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers has won back-to-back MVPs. Obviously, that's obvious. Aaron Rodgers is a guy who rarely throws interceptions, throws a ton of touchdowns, will hyper-target a one, and pushes the ball downfield and makes big, just gutsy throws. That He was literally the perfect quarterback for Devontae Adams. There is no better situation. And as much as people want to say, oh, Devontae Adams being signed somewhere for a huge deal will give him the highest target share in the league, that's still not going to be a better situation for him than Aaron Rodgers was. But I feel like because Devontae Adams has been finishing super high, like wide receiver one and wide receiver two, he'll stay up there. And some of that is justifiable. Even if he goes to another team, though, he still could stay as maybe that like top two guy. And maybe that's not the like where he should be, even with like average quarterback play. Like say he goes to the Raiders, he goes to Derek Carr. That's a solid quarterback and he could easily elevate Derek Carr. But I just don't think that without Rodgers, he's putting up 
top three numbers, maybe like top six, maybe a solid wide receiver one, but it could be a lot like the drop off with Michael Thomas in that one season. Obviously we know he was dealing with injuries, but he wasn't the same player with other quarterbacks and Taysom Hill in particular. I mean, he wasn't getting that touchdown, those same touchdowns. I feel like we could see a lot of the drop off with Devonte Adams. And the reason I feel like he would stay up in that same top three, top two, maybe even number one ADP is because like, I mean, it's guys like Michael Thomas have as well in years past. And obviously, I guess we didn't know Michael Thomas was going to be without like Drew Brees for the time he was obviously. And we didn't know and stuff, but even so, I just feel like the regression we saw from MT and the fact that it really just can't get much better means that Devonta Adams will still be great, but not, he doesn't have wide receiver one upside anymore if he's not playing with Rogers and we it's, we're still going to find out like he's a very talented guy for sure. And one of the best wide receivers in the league but we're going to find out that I think a lot of that was influenced. Like the number one wide receiver conversation that was influenced heavily by Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, I completely agree with that. I, I think no matter where he goes, if he's not playing with Rodgers, there's going to be a decline in the numbers. Mm-hmm. Couldn't agree more. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. All right. So let's jump into, I guess we got values here. So three guys, well, I actually have two, but I'll kind of skip over one of them because I have like one main value. So I guess, yeah, we, we'll do that. And then we can wrap up the show. It's been a lot of fun doing this today. So yeah, I guess, Pat, do you want to jump into your final guy, your value for 2022? Sure. Uh, Hunter Renfro. And I just mm-hmm. think the market is going to be slow to accurately assess Renfro. And we saw this year that dude is just a baller, you know, 103 catches, 1,038 yards, nine touchdowns. Um, and like, yeah, maybe part of that was an uptick in the usage after the, you know, Henry Ruggs was kicked off the team. And, um, but, but like, I, I think he would have been an, an integral part of this offense, even if that had not happened. Like he was the dependable safety valve for um, Carr. And I think it's just like, he's going to be this primo slot receiver going forward. Like this is the the dawn of a new Wes Welker, a new Julian Edelman. And like, you know, this might've been before your fantasy football playing days, Chris and Calvin, but like (laughs) um, it was kind of the same thing back then. Like, they weren't really taken seriously at first because they were these smaller dudes and like they just did not fit the profile of like the wide receiver you were kind of chasing in drafts. And um, I think, you know, Renfro is going to be routinely available in the sixth or seventh round of drafts in 2022. And I think that's just fantastic value for him. Yeah, I love yeah. that. I mean, if there's if there's no change, I mean, obviously if a Devontae Adams comes, that changes everything for Hunter Renfro. But I mean, like... <laughs> if he's returning to the Raiders and I don't see, there's not going to be that much change like going on in that team. I don't understand why people are going to think he's going to fall off all of a sudden. I expect him to return. What was he like wide receiver 15 last year? I think maybe yeah, he somewhere was around there, like line, solid wide receiver too, for sure. Yeah. And you can get that value in those later rounds. And so that's why I think he could be a very nice uh, piece to add to any team. So I agree with you there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I like that pick a lot as well. All right, Chris, so who you got? Um, I've got Michael Pittman Jr. Who's, uh, oh goodness. I had this pulled up, uh, earlier, but I, I think I took it down. I'm forgetting what he was last year, but, uh, it was definitely, uh, inside the top 20 last year in terms of fantasy points. And now he's ranked as the wide receiver 27, uh, on fantasy pros. I mean, yes, I think that maybe you don't want to be expecting top 15 production, but I think he's definitely going to outperform. Uh, what a lot of people's expectations are. They're kind of forgetting about him a little bit, but in this offense, I mean, 
yes, it's going to be run first. Obviously, you have Jonathan Taylor. They should be handing the ball off to him uh, often. But I like his value as a number one wide receiver, and he's a guy that I've been following through college. He's a very talented receiver. And uh, I don't really see a ton of competition right now in this offense. So unless they start adding other guys, he's going to be pretty much the true wide receiver number one. Um, Obviously, he had his big injury two years ago. But uh, other than that, uh, last season, at least, he stayed healthy, played 16 games. So I don't see any concern there. And I think he's just a nice piece that maybe he's not going to be your breakout top 10 guy, but I think he's going to be nice, have nice, consistent production. Yeah. And to answer your question, he was the wide receiver 15. So that was there last year for sure. Well, amazing that he is uh, only wide receiver 27 in the rankings. That's weird. Like I know, you know, if they add something, maybe you could justify a little bit of slippage, but, um, and they are going to probably continue to be run heavy, but still, I mean, like Pittman showed this year, he's a baller and Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, it's like hard to see anything but him continuing his ascent. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I guess so. I've got two values here. One of them I'll talk about kind of briefly, and then I'll get into my other one. But my first is Aaron Jones, who is currently the RB16 on Fantasy Pros. I guess this is standard, but I think he's also the same in half PPR. Um, but I think, yeah, Aaron Jones, I think he's going to be a value next year. And we know late in the season, he was splitting time with A.J. Dillon. That made him a lot more inconsistent, more of that RB2 floating around their kind of territory. But I feel like maybe even especially if Rodgers leaves, I feel like if Aaron Rodgers leaves, people are going to be too quick to drop off Aaron Jones. And it kind of sounds like odd in the fact that I'm saying that Devontae Adams should be dropped off. But I think it's a little bit of a different situation because Aaron Jones doesn't consistently get that like RB1 workhorse load. And while I think I think his carries will increase and his receptions too could maybe increase if he gets more checkdowns if Rodgers is gone. And he's also got that complimentary back in A.J. Dillon so that Aaron Jones isn't just running the ball 25 times for 75 yards every game and then no receptions and just like getting himself slaughtered inside. Like I still feel like he's done it before where he's had high-end RB1 production. I don't know why he's down at RB16, maybe behind a guy like J.K. I mean, I understand the upside of J.K. Dobbins, even a guy like Ezekiel Elliott, but I still think as of now I would have Aaron Jones above both. And like, I still feel like he could end up being in that RB one tier and just sneak in maybe a top borderline, top 10, top 12 kind of guy. My other value though, I do want to get into briefly. And yes, maybe that's a bit of take lock. I don't care. Maybe you can say it's take lock all you want, but I was so in on Kenny Galladay last year and he did not pan out. But with this new coaching staff with Brian Dable, we know Daniel Jones can throw the ball deep. If Brian Dable actually draws up some plays to where Kenny Kenny Galladay gets the ball deep from Daniel Jones, I feel like he could actually score some touchdowns next year and maybe put up in a thousand yard season. And he is going to be written off. We can't forget about this $18 million a year contract. They're not going to just not use a guy like that for two years in a row. They have to be able to get him more involved. We know he's talented. We know he can catch deep balls. And I feel like he could have an explosive year next year, maybe even sneak into that top 30, top 24 receivers, which if he does, he will be a massive value because currently he's like nowhere. Like I'll go check where he is, but he is nowhere near like that kind of ranking, at least as far as I know. Like I'm looking at it right now. I'm scrolling down and I can't even find him. Like he's in the number 58 right now in fantasy pro standard. I feel like that's a great place to take a shot on him as a back-end receiver late in the draft. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd, I'd love as a Giants fan to see a nice little uh, <laughs> Josh Allen, Stefan Diggs-esque jump for Daniel Jones and Kenny Galladay next year with Brian Dable coming in. I don't know if that's, that's uh, I think, reaching for the stars a little bit, but uh, definitely, you know, a great coaching staff, I think, is coming in right now if they are going to uh, bring out the potential that, I mean, Ken Galladay showed it. He's a talented receiver. He just last year had a really – had a. Str- a year he just struggled a lot I mean 
whether it was the coaching staff, whether it was uh, injuries, whether it was just his play, maybe, I mean, maybe he just wasn't playing well. I think that you have to give him a pass for this year, at least somewhat. I wouldn't trust him nearly as any, as a top, as a wide receiver too, or anything, but I think that there's definitely some room for him to come back and uh, put together a better season than he did last year, Yeah, which is not going to be a hard goal. I'm glad you guys closed on this guy because I've like been a long time Kenny Galladay guy. And I think it was a combination of all those things Chris mentioned. Like the quarterback situation was a train wreck. I mean, it was Jason Garrett calling the plays. It was mm-hmm. injuries for Galladay. Like this is a dude who, again, he's not even Matthew Stafford made uh, when he was in Detroit. You know, like there was uh, a couple seasons ago where Stafford got hurt and David Blau who I live in big 10 country and I had watched David Blau play for Purdue. And I, you know, when that guy was actually playing in the NFL and still is, I guess it just kind of amazed me because he was not good in college, let alone the NFL. And somehow in those five games that Blau was playing quarterback, Kenny Galladay was still like in wide receiver one range over those five weeks, which was just Mm -hmm. remarkable. So um, I agree like this screaming value. And at the point in the draft where he's going to be taken, like there's not even a risk. There's yeah, no yeah. risk at all. Exactly. So I, I think like he's a perfect guy for this, uh, you know, value category. 1000% agree. And we'll pretend, <laughs> we'll pretend that I didn't rank Kenny Galladay as the wide receiver 11 last year and totally whiff. <laughs> but I, even so, I still think, I mean, he could just have a great, great season next year. So that's all. I guess we're going to wrap up the show. It has been like, I know we went a bit over time for sure, but I had a lot of fun having you on, Pat. This is guys, make sure to go check out the Fits on Fantasy podcast, the Fantasy Pros football podcast as well. Uh, I guess anything you want to add before we wrap up the show? No, not really. Gentlemen, thank you so much for having me on. This was a really fun conversation. I'm, I'm glad we got to do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, thank you so much again. It was a great show. Make sure to go check out, yeah, again, Fits on Fantasy, Fantasy Pros football podcast. And yeah, thanks guys for listening. We'll see you next week. I have another great guest coming on. We're going to review top 20 quarterbacks from last year. We go into the top 20 shows with quarterbacks, running backs, wide receivers, and tight ends. It's going to be a ton of fun. So thank you guys Mm -hmm. for listening, and we will see you next time.